This Breakfast with Ben's podcast on the Fans First Network brought to you by Gerger Construction. It's not too soon to start planning your dream deck. They build decks year-round, and they're booking into spring and summer 2024. Gerger Construction is a small burg business specializing in decks, pergolas, railings, and fencing. Fully insured, licensed, and now offering financing options. Go to GergerConstruction.com to get your free project estimate or to schedule your deck safety inspection today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's our weekly baseball podcast with Kevin Gorman of Trib Live covering the Pirates for us. Only a couple more of these conversations with Kevin to go before the end of the regular season. One more after this one, in fact, and then the Pirates are done until spring training. Kevin, they just played a really wild series against the Chicago Cubs and sort of speaking to the point of where things are with them versus their opponents a playoff-like atmosphere, I guess, in Wrigley as it relates to the importance of these games, even though the Pirates aren't participating in such a thing. I think what Derek Shelton really liked the most was how the Pirates responded to Tuesday's game when they lost 14-1. to And then they come back and win the next two games, despite the Cubs rallying back and making it a great game both nights. I think what we saw is a Pirates team that continues to compete, that continues to play hard, even though they know they're out of the race and is kind of relishing the role of playing the spoiler and showing some signs that this is a young team that is ready to rise to that occasion. They may not be ready to be a contender just yet, but they're a team that certainly isn't afraid of playing against contenders. Yeah, a lot of runs scored in this one. They lost 14-1, to they won 13-7, to and then 8-6 to in the finale. Is that a bit of a forecast, Kevin, for what you expect to see out of the gate next year in the sense that there seem to be more questions about the depth and the extent of the pitching, and there seem to be at least more options with the lineup. Well, I, I don't think the, the run scored is any indication because this is a team that at times this season really struggled to put runs on the board. I think it's a sign that this is a you know team that was playing – the Pirates were playing a team that whose bullpen 
and starting pitching, maybe, you know, had some bad nights against them. And I, I think the atmosphere, you know, was kind of supercharged and everybody thrived in it. Um, what, what I like is that the Pirates have shown that some of the guys that they have signed or brought on as role players have really kind of stepped into bigger roles maybe than anticipated. Joshua Palacios being maybe the primary guy. This is a guy they selected in the minor league phase of the Rule 5 draft. And on back-to-back nights, hit three-run home runs. Last night in the pinch-hit situation. And this is a guy who just seems to rise to the occasion and lives for those moments, certainly relishes them. And, uh, you know, he's a guy who projects as probably more of a fourth outfielder than anything, especially when you look at the Pirates outfield having, you know, Brian Reynolds, Jack Sawinski, and Henry Davis maybe in front of him. But certainly when you can have a guy like that who has 10 home runs, you know, since July, um, that that's, you know, we're, we're talking about Andrew McCutcheon at 12. You know, this this is a guy who's, you know, shown some pop and has really certainly thrived in uh, in the role that the Pirates have given him, the opportunities they've given him. The pitching remains the biggest question mark for the Pirates, no doubt, Tim. And uh, I think, you know, in some sense, they, they know they have an ace now, which they did not know going into the season. They, they know um, that Mitch Keller has kind of evolved into that anchor of the starting rotation. But I think there's a lot that remains to be seen beyond that. You know, beyond him and Johan Oviedo is, you know, what the Pirates are going to do. I think that's the position that they're going to have to go out and address in free agency, maybe more so than any others, or maybe by trade. Well, let's look at Keller a little bit more and the theory of him as an ace or an anchor. Um, you really think that's a way to presume they will look at him going into the offseason, going into next season? Is that the right tag to put on him? I mean, I look at this year and I see the boost in innings pitched and in wins and in strikeouts. He got to 200 strikeouts. That's a rarity for Pirates pitchers. But the ERA is up, and you know, like we saw against the Cubs, He's got these blow-up games where, you know, sometimes he needs a lot of offensive support to stay in it. No question. Uh, Those are all exactly kind of the picture you have to paint of Mitch Keller is that there's a lot of good that we've seen from him this season. You know, most notably for me, the the game started innings pitched, uh, which are all career highs. The strikeouts is, you know, he's now in the company as a right-handed pitcher with A.J. Burnett and Garrett Cole. Um, the thing with Keller is he's had these big innings and, and he's had them throughout his career. The way the Pirates are looking at it is that he, he's responding to them differently. You know, when he has a bad inning, he doesn't seem to have the meltdowns that he used to have that became indicative of Tyler Glasnow's, you know, uh, tenure with the Pirates. This is Mitch Keller's a guy who seems to be able to figure ways out of those bad innings and then to continue pitch after them like he did against the Cubs where he went out and pitched, you know, the start of the sixth inning. Um the, the big thing with Mitch that I see as a difference is the mentality. When I asked him last week about getting to 200 strikeouts, getting to 200 innings, making 32 starts, it was not about, oh, yeah, I finally reached those goals. It was about, well, next year I need to be able to make those starts. I need to be able to pitch those innings, and I need to be able to go deeper than that next season if we're going to make a playoff run. He's thinking ahead in terms of being the anchor of the staff, being the ace of the staff. And you have to remind people, as much as Mitch Keller has been – around for the Pirates for a long time because we've known about him as a second-round draft pick and their top pitching prospect for years. And, and we've seen a guy who has, you know, dealt with his ups and downs from getting shelled in his debut to, you know, being demoted to the minors to being banished to the bullpen for a few games last year even. Uh, he's evolved into an all-star pitcher. He's evolved into the anchor of this staff. And I really think, you know, he's only going into his age 28 season, which is typically when you see starting pitchers in the major leagues. 
kind of make that next step into where they become the ace of the rotation. And I think Mitch Keller is ready to take that step. Um, you know, does that mean he's not going to have his rough days? No, certainly. He's, I think he's, you know, I, I don't think he's Garrett Cole. I don't want to try to make that comparison. But he's certainly the best starting pitcher the Pirates have probably had since Garrett Cole. And, and I think you have to remember is that the Pirates traded Garrett Cole right around that time when he was at age 28. And we've seen him become one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball, if not the best. Well, to that point, Kevin, and I was going to go down this path, even if you didn't underscore your statement the way you did just there. I know he had a blah performance here in Pittsburgh in his return, but boy, was Cole good last night. Two hits, eight innings, nine strikeouts, no walks against the Blue Jays. Is he going to win the AL Cy Young? He should. I, I think that, you know, Garrett Cole has been very close a number of times. I thought he should have won it with Houston when his teammate Justin Verlander won it. Um, but you go back and think, you know, Mitch Keller had two, you know, got his 200th strikeout the other night. Garrett Cole, I think, had 326 the one season. I mean, when you think about that, yeah. I mean, you're, t- you're talking about almost, an, you know, uh, another, you know, season and a half of strikeouts in terms of the dominance. Um, I, I think, you know, this, this is going to sound funny to say, but it's, it's almost a shame right now that Garrett Cole's playing for the Yankees. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of crazy when you think about it, like, that was his dream team to play for, and yet they haven't been the dominant team in baseball the way that I think he envisioned or you'd envision with a guy who, when you have the best pitcher on, you know, maybe on the planet right now. Yeah, and it's funny and, that he uh, hasn't won the Cy Young before. Like you said, he's come close twice, second place, and I think he's already been top five five times. This would be the sixth, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's he, he's been, I think, the, the most consistently dominant pitcher. When I say consistently dominant, he hasn't had the serious injuries. He hasn't had the offseason. You know, this is, this is a guy, since he left Pittsburgh, has been uh, has been everything he was supposed to be as the number one overall pick. And I think everything the Pirates kind of have the hopes for, Paul Skeens of becoming, is maybe their, their next Garrett Cole. It's just maybe, hopefully, that he stays a little bit longer and, and thrives a little bit more than Cole did. Kevin Gorman with us, Breakfast with Benz. Kevin covers the Pirates at Trib Live. So back to the rotation, Kev. You made the comment about, you know, where things are after Oviedo and Keller. Where are they? How do you see the other three spots falling? Well, you know, I mean, right now, this is just patchwork. You're, you're seeing, you know, guys like Billy Falter and Andre Jackson pitching, whether they're doing it as starters or whether they're doing it in bulk relief with an opener. I, I think the guys that they can maybe kind of look forward to in the future here, you know, Luis Ortiz is one guy that the Pirates are pretty heavily invested in his future. I think Quinn Priester is another guy that has a chance to be in the rotation. He could also be a long reliever. I think he has to kind of determine that on his own. You know, we'll, we'll see what his performance does. But you have to remind people that Quinn just turned, I think, 23 or is about to. Uh, so I, mean, he, I think he just turned 23. So he's still very young. When you think about, you know, Mitch Keller, what he was doing at age 23 was getting shelled. Um, that there's still a long way to go, you know. Um, I think beyond that, you know, the Pirates have some guys in the system that are probably a year or so away. We might see one of them here at the end of the season. It wouldn't be surprising to me. I think the Pirates should make the move is bringing in a guy like Jared Jones, who's one of their top 10 pitching, you know, top 10 prospects and a right-handed pitcher, former second-round pick. Then you have Anthony Solomito and uh, Bubba Chandler. So I think the Pirates right now are kind of like in that stopgap situation again where you know maybe they go out and get a guy where they can do like they did with aj burnett and take on a bad contract and have the other team you know maybe maybe be willing to pay part of that and and get a veteran guy or maybe they go out and do 
what they've done in years past, uh, including this year, you know, sign somebody like a Rich Hill or Vince Velasquez, Tyler Anderson. You get you get a guy on a one-year contract that gives some of these young guys a grace period. But I, I think certainly the Pirates have to address that starting pitching. They know that Max Kranich is coming back from Tommy John surgery. He's made a few starts in Indy. They have JT Brubaker, who's expected to be back after the All-Star break next year. But you really can't count on a guy with a surgically repaired arm. Um, but certainly, you know, Mike, Mike Burroughs is in that same boat. He was one of their top prospects. But, you know, there is depth there. Uh, I just don't think there's many guys that are tailor-made for the starting rotation at the moment. Finally, Kevin, I'm looking at nine games remaining here for the Pirates. Three on the road in Cincy, three on the road in Philly, the homestand to wrap up against the Marlins. And they've got 72 wins right now. My prediction at the start of the season was 72 wins for the Pirates. So they're going to exceed that. And I kind of thought I might have been optimistic by even suggesting that. I mean, a 10-win jump is somewhat significant. Now, I guess it's watered down significance and it's going from 62 to 72, but it's still something to notice nonetheless. I guess with all that said, why don't I feel better about the 10-game jump? I mean, is it just the logistics of how it happened? Real good early, real good late, terrible in the middle? Um, how do you feel about the improvements that they made? And is it going back to what we just talked about, especially with the pitching? How much of a true carryover can we expect when we know so little about what the rotation is going to be and, and what some position players will be at key spots? Uh, well, I think the first thing you can take into consideration is that they did all of this without O'Neill Cruz, who was supposed to be one of the catalysts, that he played nine games this season before the fractured left ankle. So, you know, the Pirates have basically used a bunch of guys that I don't know that were even in the plans at shortstop this year. When you think about, you know, Rodolfo Castro and Tucapita Marcano, Alika Williams and Leah Vera Peguero, I don't know that the Pirates had plans for any of them to be playing maybe in the majors, maybe in the, in the certainly not a shortstop this season. Uh, so that that's the first thing. You also take into consideration that they lost right before the start of the season, JT Brubaker to Tommy John surgery, and then a month into the season, Vince Velasquez, which really decimated their starting pitching. Um, and then you take into consideration at the tail end of the season or mid to late season that they brought up so many rookies, you know, that at one time they had five or six rookies in the starting lineup, if you count the starting pitcher. Um, so this is a team that, that has trended young, that even though it's brought in some veterans, uh, that they've gone with more of the youth movement to get those guys playing time. And um, so I think that gives the Pirates fans hope. I think you've also seen the resurgence late in the season, even though the Pirates were out of contention at this point, the resurgence of Brian Reynolds and, and key Brian Hayes at the plate. And then, um, you know, Mitch Keller post all-star break after his struggles that he's pitching well again. So I think you see the makings of a team that can be much better next year, especially if they make some additions. My question is, there's a lot of people that are just presupposing that the Pirates are going to go out and spend this offseason and say, oh, well, they're on the verge. They're on the brink of this. I think the TV deal could affect things. I, I think that, you know, we'll see what the attendance does for them. The attendance is better. But I'm not quite sure the Pirates are going to go out and spend the way that people think. And, and maybe they have the luxury of not having to spend as much because of how many guys they spent, you know, 30 plus million dollars in free agency last year and, and got rid of most of those guys. So they could add 30 million dollars in payroll and the payroll would not you know, necessarily even go up or if it does, not not significantly. But, uh, you know, certainly the Pirates fans are maybe expecting this team to invest in some veterans or some, you know, or at least some positions that they need help in, you know, starting pitching and first base. 
are probably the ones that are the most glaring holes on this team. And so I'll be curious to see whether the Pirates are willing to spend or whether they're willing to maybe trade some prospects where some positions that they have, you know, some depth there. I, I don't know what they're going to do, but I think the, the Pirates are in position where what you've seen with them through the rebuild, what you've seen for them from breaking everything down to the foundation and building from the studs back up could come to fruition very soon. If not next year, then certainly the year after. Kevin, thanks. We'll do it again next week. Our last check-in before the end of the regular season, and then uh, we'll look ahead towards Bradenton a little bit. All right. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for having me. All right. Kevin Gorman, he covers the Pirates at Trib Live. This is our weekly baseball podcast at Breakfast with Ben's.